0: You're listening to the Promise Church's Message of the Week. This week we have two messages. In this message, Pastor Chris reminds us that the original call to preach the gospel never changed. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. It's, wow. That's all I can say. Worship was amazing. Wow, wow, wow. Aaron told me that if I speak a three-point message, he'll buy me dinner tomorrow night. So I'm just warning you guys, you guys are probably going to be here for about five hours, but we're going to get through it, and then he's going to come to Texas tomorrow night, we're going to go out to dinner. It's going to be amazing. No, I'm joking. But I hope he buys me dinner tomorrow night, because he is coming to Texas tomorrow night. Um, there's, there There's these flyers that you've probably seen, and we're going to really start to talk about this. Northwest Awakening, um, is coming up, and it'll change your life. Uh, this guy, Eric Gilmore, um, he changed my life, he changed Jeffrey's life, and, and Luke, other ones that have been around him. He is absolutely incredible, a man of God, and and uh, I mean, Jeremy Lamb, you you as well have, have spent some time with Eric Gilmore, and he's going to bring a completely different flavor uh, to the promised church, and He'll be talking about the kisses of Jesus, and you'll be like, "What is he talking about?" And then by the second session, you'll be an absolute mess when you realize Christianity is all about loving Jesus, and when you do that well, you do everything else well. So he'll be here, and then right before that, we're going to do a two-day evangelism um, school. It's going to be—I think it's going to be smaller—and so Jeffrey, myself, Scott, Luke, others, others will be there. Joel and. And we're going to be taking people out on the streets, showing you what it's really like to live like Jesus everywhere you go. So that'll be Thursday and Friday, and then we'll go into the conference Friday and Saturday. And you may just want to get some time off work. So grab some of these in the lobby. Tell your friends, don't miss it. Does that sound good? It'll, it'll change your life. Um, look, look at your neighbor and say, the original call never changed. Now look, now look at your neighbor and say it like a preacher. Say, the original call never changed. Come on, come on, Bob. You can do better than that, Bob. Come on, man. Come on, tell Mike. Come on, tell him. I'm just messing with you. Okay, the, the original call, it never, it never changed. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm going to read this, this to you real quick. I, I love it. Ellie made me this bookmark. It says BFF. And then it's got an Olaf ribbon, and I just love it because I think he's like one of my favorite characters of, of of any movie, especially when he sings about summer. It's like Christians asking for the fire of God. It's like, do you really want the fire of God? Like you're calling on the Almighty God of the universe to light you on fire. I don't know if you get what you're singing, and Olaf is like, "Bring it on!" Okay. Oh, it's so funny. I love that guy. We'd be friends okay so so todd he told me about this guy named leonard ravenhill mike do you know about leonard ravenhill i'm sure you do i've had a feeling and uh mike's one of my heroes john and chris heroes like there's just church is just full of amazing people and leonard ravenhill like i don't know if you know todd but todd is a very intense individual um and he looked at me and he said well Leonard Ravenhill is very intense and I was like well if you're saying that then well I better buckle my seatbelt and I started reading this book and I was like oh man he says this he says one of these days some simple soul will pick up the book of God read it and believe it the rest of us will be embarrassed we have adopted the convenient theory that the bible is a book to be explained Whereas first and foremost, it's a book to be believed. (laughs) And after that, to be obeyed. Come on. The fact beats ceaselessly into my brain these days that there is a world of difference between knowing the word of God and knowing the God of the word. Is it not true that with the coming round of Bible conferences, we hear only old things repeated and most likely come away without any increase in faith. Perhaps God never had such an unbelieving group of believers as the present crop of Christians. How humiliating. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I'm not gonna keep reading because I'll be convicted. And uh, the, the, the word of God is meant to be believed. So I want you to go on a journey with me today for the next 30 minutes and I want you to believe. Okay, I just, for 30 minutes, I want you to believe with me that what Jesus says is real, and then I want you to believe what it would look like for you to obey that every second of every day. Fair? And then, if you want to write me off as crazy, so be it, you can leave here and live a normally, normal life, and go through and just try to make it, and I'm going to thrive in Jesus. Okay, but it's your choice. And if you want to write me off as crazy, I was sitting with my mom yesterday, and I said, Mom, I feel like I've lost my mind, but I think that I'm actually just coming into the mind of Christ. <laughs> so you guys ready? I just, I, just want, I just want for just 30 minutes for you to just put all that religious stuff that's been taught to you, that you've seen on YouTube videos that your mom and your dad told you and that bad preachers preach to you, put it on the shelf and just believe what Jesus says. You guys down with that? And then you can choose what to do with it when we're done, but just give me 30 minutes, Okay. The original call never changed, okay? When you, when you look at, in, in the book of Matthew, we're gonna turn to the book of Matthew this morning, and, and, and the first point of, of three that we're gonna get to in Jesus' name, because I want Aaron to buy me a steak tomorrow. This is a, I, like Jeffrey or Joel, like some upcoming preacher needs to take this and develop this into like a series. It's really a three-part series, but we're gonna do it in, in three points, 10 minutes each, okay? So I want you to write these down, I want you to get them in your heart, and I want you to meditate on these things because God will open this up to you. So the first point is the call. Everybody say the call. Now, it says this in in Matthew 4, verse 18. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, say two. Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, say fishermen, now they were fishermen that caught dead fish, or they were about ready to die, but he's about ready to say, why don't we make you a fisherman of living things? That's a little more exciting, and I'm, I'm, fishing's great. Uh, I have a fishing story where I caught a giant kingfish. It's a really amazing story, um, where <laughs> I was on this boat, and, and we, we were like, deep sea fishing and I've only deep sea fished one time in my life and this guy came and put a rod next to me and he was fishing for something else I said hey man if, if that rod goes off can I catch it he goes man I've been out here all day with different groups it's not gonna go off I said if it does can I have it he said yeah he walked away bam I'm like they made everybody on this giant boat reel in their rods as I fought a kingfish Yeah, so when people start telling fishing stories, I'm like, yeah, I went deep sea fishing once, caught a really big fish. (laughs) I'm going to go shoot a deer just so I can have a story. Okay, because I'm from Woodland and I should have a story about that too. I ran over a deer one time, but that's not quite the same on a motorcycle. That's another story. Okay, so while walking, three points. While walking by the sea, right, he sees these people fishing And he said to them, follow me. Say, follow me. Okay, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The original call never changed. If you're a Christian and you're not fishing for men, what are we doing? Well, pastor, there's many different things in the body of Christ. We need to take care of the sheep. We need to do this. We need to do that. Yes, we need to do all of that. But the original call was follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It's never changed. It's never changed. We've changed it for, 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 there's many reasons, but two main reasons why we've changed it. Number one is because we're scared, right? Either, either you're fearful of stepping out or you're fearful of, okay, maybe you have boldness to step out, but you don't know what to do and what to say, or if it goes wrong, so we're scared, and I'm not gonna stay on that very long, or the church at large doesn't step out because the people they're following don't step out. So, preachers and ministers and leaders around the United States of America live a compromised message. They dumb it down, and what they preach from the stage is what they live. Jesus said, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then, for three years, said, Now watch it, boys. That's why when people begin to get around me, all of a sudden they become awakened to what it looks like to fish for men because they're seeing it with their eyes. Everywhere, every moment, everywhere you go. And then what does it say? It says immediately, say immediately. I I believe that many of you guys are immediately today going to become fishers of men. And it's actually not like the great suggestion, it's the great Commit like commit like it's like what he's not like suggesting it, he's telling you that that's what you're gonna do if you're gonna follow him. Okay. So I, I have this um this friend, and I told this story uh last night, but I'm gonna share it again. I had a friend that he's like has a heart for Jesus, like all of you guys have, and and he's like, Man, he's like, I'm going to Lifestyle Christianity University. I came here, I want to tell share my faith with people, but I, I just um I don't know what's going on. I said you're scared and I'm going to take you out, and it's going to change your life forever. So I'll never forget He wrote me, "Uh, do you think that we could like reschedule, and then could we just stay in the coffee shop? I said, no, buddy, let's go. So he gets in the car, and he wrote a paper. I'm going to to share the paper on on, on Facebook, and and, 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 and he, he writes this story of going out with me, and he says, here I find myself in a car with the most radical believing believer I've ever been next to, and I'm thinking to myself, what did I do? And we get to this restaurant and we walk into the restaurant and the lady behind the counter uh, that's going to seat us is this young girl. The Lord instantly speaks to me about her. We get to the table, get words of knowledge for her. She gets so blessed. She's crying. She hugs us like three times. She ends up asking to wait on our table and she won't leave because she wants to stand in the presence of God. So then I say to him, hey, pick a table. And he's like, I don't really know if I want to pick a table because you're going to make me go over there and do this. And I said, no, pick a table. So he picks the table. And I said, get a word. And he gets a word. I'll go. I said, I'll go. So I go over to the table with his word that he picked. And I shared the word. And it was right on. So the people from the table came over and thanked him for the word that he gave through me. It was Amazing. All this other stuff happens. So then we, we get to this, to this stoplight. We take the wrong turn, but I'm in Christ, so I don't take wrong turns. Uh, I don't know if you're getting this. Like, when you're truly in him, there's no wrong turn. And, and I said, hey, buddy, there's no wrong turn. And we drive down this road, and there's this storefront with three different doors, and I just pull in. I, sometimes I have the gift of just, I don't know what I'm doing, but we're just going to do it. And I said, hey, this is probably going to make you really uncomfortable, but let's go. I'm going to show you what this looks like. I didn't even know what this looked like. And we get out of the car. By the way, this is just a couple days ago. Every Christian should have a testimony, not from five years ago, but from yesterday or today. Okay. So we, we don't choose store number one. We choose store number two. We walk in, and there's a guy that just looks like he's like just tatted, like looks mean. But I know on the inside, he's just a little kid that has an identity crisis. So we begin to talk to him. The Lord gives me a word. I said, you have trouble with your knees? It's your right one. He goes, how in the world do you know that about me? Two days ago, I told my wife and my daughter, who's running around, and his wife's around the corner, that I have bad knees. I'm a backslidden Christian, and the presence of God wrecks that store. So we get in the car, and now by this time, Talon's like, whoa, man, this is amazing. And then we pull around the corner. He's like, can we stop at a gas station? I gotta use the bathroom. I think it scared him a little bit. So he goes in, uses the bathroom, comes back out, gets in the car. He looks at me and he goes, can we go one more place? But first I said, did you do anything? And they got like, did you tell anybody? And he's like, no, I didn't. So we pull around the corner. There's a guy. He gets out of the car. He shares with him. This is all like in an hour. Okay, shares with the guy. Now he's like really stirred up. He's like, can we just go to one more place? Well, I thought, well, we did restaurant evangelism. We did random storefront evangelism. We we, we did like gas station evangelism. I'm not a street evangelist. I'm just in love with Jesus everywhere I go. And then I was like, we might as well do drive-through evangelism. Like that is like the best. Like you get a good coffee and Jesus shows up. So we pull through and I'm like this little sweet girl comes to the window, I'm like, hey, Jesus loves you. And she's like, oh, thank you, that was kind of strange. And I said, you have trouble with your shoulders? She's like, and it's your right one. By this time, Talonabout about falls out of the car. What is happening? Jesus. That is the original call. That is how every believer is called to live. But people behind pulpits have lowered the standard. Because they don't want to be, as Jeffrey says, inconvenienced. Okay, so the original call. And when we look, now now we're going to turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 8. Oh, this is a really good word. Matthew chapter 8. The cost of following Jesus. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd, say crowd. Okay. just just remember that crowd word, okay, because we're gonna come back to it. When Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side and a scribe came up and said to him, teacher, say teacher. That's one of the problems right there. He's Lord. A lot of people like Jesus as teacher, but they really just like the teachings that they like. I don't care if you like it or not, he's Lord. Okay, okay. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus had the gift of discerning of spirits. And he goes, let's really test this out. And he says to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. This is what he said. He said, you like me in the crowd when people are giving me attention. You like this idea that maybe I'm the Messiah and you can be next to me and have some of my fame. Will you like me in the airport? Will you like me in your secret place where nobody else is there? Will you truly take on the lifestyle of Jesus? What he was getting to was the core of what it looks like to be a lifestyle Christian. He was saying, my lifestyle is not like yours. You want me for my crowd. You want me for my fame. You want me for the kingdom that you think I'm setting up. But I'm telling you, my lifestyle is pouring out everywhere I go. See, when I leave here off this stage, and a lot of people want the stage, but they don't want to do Jesus when it's just them and Jesus. A lot of people want the Facebook post, but they don't have history with God. He's saying you want me in this moment, but I'm not a crowd person, I'm an individual person, and I'm telling you that if you want to come to me, you're going to, your whole lifestyle is gonna change. I'm gonna go where the Spirit moves me, right, right? Right now I'm in Texas, but tomorrow I could be in anywhere. I'll go anywhere, I will do anything. Whatever he tells me to do, I will do it in a second. So then, we don't know what happens with that one, this is another disciple, now get this, it's a disciple. You following me? Say disciple. Another disciple said to him, Lord, teacher and then Lord. You following me? Lord. So this is somebody that calls him Lord. Uh, Let me first go and bury my father. Now, you're like, well, what what does that mean? We're going to get to that in a moment. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Say, follow me. And leave the dead to bury their own dead. Everybody say, huh? What does that even mean? <laughs> okay, so what he's saying. The, the, the man culturally was saying, my father's not dead yet. I'm gonna come up with an excuse to go back and live with my father and then I'll bury my father in a few years and then I'll follow you. That's what he was saying. His father wasn't dead yet. He's coming up with an excuse not to have immediate, say immediate, obedience. Follow me? Okay, so then Jesus makes this statement that's really confusing. That, that's why we, we don't, we've got to read the word with the, with the spirit because the spirit will bring it to life, right? So he's saying, let the dead bury the dead. Well, how does a dead person bury a dead person? He's not talking about physically dead. He's talking about spiritually dead, right? Blind leading blind, dead burying dead. But as for you, if you want to follow me, we're going to cause dead things to rise, you follow me? Man, that's a whole sermon in and of itself. Okay, so next point. So there's the initial following that is an immediate response. A lot of people don't have an immediate response. It takes them 50 years to fully surrender. It's okay. St- you're, not you. Those people are still going to heaven, but they're missing out on a heavenly reward Because I I need you to know this, that heaven is not just a worship service in the clouds. Heaven is a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven is a place where you have a actual physical resurrected body. If you're gonna go to hell, this is the closest thing you'll ever get to heaven. If you're gonna go to heaven, this is the closest thing you'll ever get to hell. This is like, I'm gonna have a body like this. I'm gonna play basketball with Jeffrey in heaven. It's gonna be amazing. And we're going to play like NBA 2K, like million. I don't know. It's going to be amazing. It'll be like, it's going to be awesome. I'm just, I, I just need you to know that heaven isn't what we think. Heaven is not floating around in spirit bodies up there. That's the intermediate heaven. But when Christ comes, there'll be a resurrection of the dead. And then you'll get, receive a resurrected body. And we'll live on the earth as it was intended to live on. That is, gets me excited. That's why it says, don't lay up for treasures on the earth, but in heaven. So my reward in heaven is going to be great. And it's okay to say that. My wife's like, man, I'm so glad I'm married to you, Pastor Chris. Because my house is just building by the moment. We, we, built, we built Ellie a little play, little play set. And somebody gave it to us on the same day that God gave us a house. That's another story, but it's an amazing story. I'll share it next time I come. And Ellie climbs up, looks over the fence, because she can see the neighbor. She's like, Dad! Yeah, honey? I can see the neighbor! (laughs) Yeah? Come up here. Tell them about Jesus. (laughs) Let that just simmer on your hearts for a little bit. Okay, so there's the call. And now, point number two, say point number two. Say, Chris is getting a steak. (laughs) Point number two. He didn't say next service. That's up in the air. We're going to do a fire tunnel. We're going to lay hands on everybody, and it's going to get crazy in here. Fire tunnel, what's that? Is that in Scripture? Yeah, it's the upper room. Read it. Well, decent and in order. I don't know, if you were in that room, you would be like, Pastor Jonathan, this is not decent and in order. What is happening right now? There is tongues of fire. People are speaking in tongues. People are falling out. What is going on? What is happening? Your idea of decent and in order is a religious idea. Your idea of God in a box is wrong. You don't know what happens when God hits a room. All flesh. Ah! When God shows up, people fall like dead men. And we think, we're like standing in church singing, I, I, I exalt thee, like quietly out of a hymn with no drums and we're like, this is it, that is not it. Trust me, if he walks in the room, if he walks in the room, your flesh would freak, you would fall on the ground like a dead person screaming. Read the Bible, you remove the supernatural from the word, you don't have the word. <laughs> well, but that's not what I was taught, that's not what I grew up 30 years seeing in church, you were taught wrong and you were in a church led by a leader that didn't know Jesus. There's a lot of people that are pastoring that should be farming, and there's a lot of people that are farming that should be pastoring. Oh, I'll say it. I don't care. I really don't care anymore because God's coming and he's turning the table. People are not going to want to listen to dead, unctionless preaching. Why? I remember sitting in church like falling asleep. There was no power in it. God is going to land on a generation and he's going to so offend the religious spirit. Just like when Mary came and broke the anointing oil over Jesus' feet, and the religious spirit at the table said, How dare you waste your life on Jesus? And then what happened? The religious spirit left the table and went and plotted to kill Jesus. Right now, there's religious spirits in this room trying to plot to kill me. I don't care. Kill me. I'm dead. Come on now. I'm free. And because I'm free, I'm free from you. That means then I can speak the truth so you can actually have an encounter with God, not an encounter with religion that will leave you lifeless and dead. So point number two is the table. Say the table. The table. Okay, in Matthew 4, I saw David smiling over there. He's like, there's Chris. There he is, right there. <laughs> Matthew 4, oh, sorry. Uh, the table, Matthew First Matthew 6:22 and 23. Matthew 6:22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if the eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness. At the table is where you see Jesus. So first you have to respond to the call, but then you have to sit at the table. So evangelism will never happen in your life in the right way if you never immediately follow. Because if you just kind of follow, you'll never sit at the table. But then you have to sit at the table, which means your eyes are focused on one thing. Okay? One thing. So then uh, turn to um, Matthew, or sorry, Luke 22, Luke 22. 14, Luke twenty two fourteen. 14, here we find Jesus, the Lord's Supper, okay, and he says this, so they're sitting at the table, 14, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table, do you want to know where Jesus is, he's reclining at the table right now, right now, he's reclining at the table. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired. Okay, so he's reclining at the table, and then it says, he earnestly desired. This is a three-point message and a three-point message. So he's at the table reclining, and then he's earnestly desiring to eat this Passover. He's every morning, he's earnestly desiring for you to come and recline at the table with him. Every morning. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread. Say bread. And when he, say he, get this. So he took the bread, and then it said he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, and they, and they ate, and then he said, this is the new covenant that I'll make with you, and that's a whole message in itself. So he reclined, he earnestly desires, he took the bread, he breaks the bread, and he feeds you. Every morning you sit at the table, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our okay just stop at daily bread daily bread if you're not sitting at the table daily you're starving spiritually you're dead burying dead you follow me okay so daily, that could be five minutes. It's not about time spent with God. It's about connection. If it, if it takes you five minutes to connect with him and receive the bread of life, that he's sitting at the table, he's earnestly desiring, and he's breaking and giving every morning. But if you don't sit at the table, you, you, you have no substance, and so then all you have is the letter of the law, and the letter of the law kills what spirit gives life. So he wants to give you life. So sit at the table. Say number three. Is the nations. The nations. So we have number one, the call. Number two, the table. And then we have the nations. Now this this, this was amazing because the Lord, I was in prayer about this message and, and the Lord spoke to me and told me the different scriptures, but I didn't have time to, to go into the scriptures and really read them. I knew what I was gonna preach this morning, but I, I didn't really have time to sit with the scriptures until this morning. And so when I begin to sit with them and read them this morning and, and God begin to illuminate the scriptures, I, I just about like freaked out. Like I was like, oh my gosh, it's right here. Like, wow, like get this, okay? So, so in in Mark 16, verse 14 Right now, transitioning from the table to the nations. You'll never go to the nations unless you sit to the, at the table because there's a lot of people that want to go to the nations, but what are you going to give the nations if you haven't eaten the living bread? What are you going to give the nations if you don't have the word of God in you? What are you going to preach? I, I have been, uh, for the last, since January, meditating on Matthew 6 22 and 23. So every morning, if the, the eye is the lamp of the body, if the eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light over and over and over. And I, I'm trying to find a way to communicate this, but it was as if I was being tormented by the scripture. It was as if every time I begin to look at anything but Jesus, I felt the conviction of God saying, that is, it's not that it's bad, like I I still like, like, like things. It's not like I'm just like this, like, weird person, like I still ride my dirt bike and I'm still having fun and I'm still watching movies with my family, but, but there, there was something that God's been doing in my heart through that scripture, doing a work in me that's, that's transformed me as I'm realizing that if I just behold him, I'll become like him. And so I've just been reading the word on repeat, like over and over and over, like I'll just carry my Bible and open it up and read it and read it and read it, and it's changed my life. It's absolutely changed my life. At the table, at the table, the table changed my life. A message didn't change my life. Somebody laying hands on, on me didn't change my life. But, but sitting at the table has given me this passion and this fire that you see in me. This is because every day, every day for two hours, I sit in the presence of God, every day. I, I'm like this, not because, it's not my personality. This is like I get up here and God just lights me on fire because I'm at the table, okay? So, so get this scripture. Right, The the Great Commission, and I've read this over and over again, but I've seen it new this morning. It said, after he appeared to the eleven themselves, and they were reclining at the table. Oh, my God. Did you hear that? Right before the Great Commission, they're reclining at the table. You guys see that? Man, this is awesome. So after he appeared to the eleven themselves, as they, as they were reclining at the table, he rebuked them. Okay, this is getting bad. For their unbelief and the hardness of their hearts because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. What does he do at the table? He removes unbelief. Prayer is not about moving God, God is moving. Prayer is about moving you. (laughs) Well, Pastor Chris, I'm an intercessor. Well, number one, you're way too grumpy, right? Because spiritual maturity is joy, so you should be joyful, okay? Number two, most people that say that they're intercessors are just too scared to share their faith, See, everybody's called to intercede. Everybody's called to sit at the table. Everybody's called to pray. It's not like, well, I'm an intercessor and you're an evangelist. No. Do you understand in the first church, like, Joel, stand up for me. Man, Joel is passionate. This is Matthew 6, 22 and 23 in living color. Like, he he helps keep me straight. Like he's with me in Orlando for a week and he's just in the word, in the word. And I'm like, man, I'm getting convicted by his life. And I'm just like, this guy's single focus. This guy is a radical Christian right here. Now now, hear me, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. Do you understand in the new church, like the first church, there was no such thing as a radical Christian? There was no such thing as a radical Christian. There were Christians. They all prayed. They all evangelized. They all laid down their life. They all followed immediately. They all sat at the table, and they all went to the nations. Well, that one, he's just been touched by God. No, that one is living Matthew 6, 22 and 23, which all of you need to be living. Intercession is an excuse for most people to go to the nations. And the nations are not another continent. The nations are where your feet are. Right? The Baptist convention right now, they cannot push aside tongues because it's happening everywhere. And so they say, well, tongues, it must be real. But tongues is just for the mission field. Hey, Baptists, your mission is where your feet are. Wake up Well then great shakara mala mana mana ma Walmart baby that was decent in the order no that right there was good come on guys come on like just a little bit of this fire at the table so they're reclining at the table the table is where the unbelief is driven out of you. Fasting, right, fasting is not about moving God. Prayer is not, a, it's not like, Lord, I just pray that your sovereign move of God would come to the promised church. And, and God's like, hey, yeah? Hey, be quiet, okay? Uh, hey, what, the reason why I have you in the prayer closet is so you'll be quiet and actually read the word and believe it. You are a move of God. You are revival. You're like, you're, you're a hell destroyer. Everywhere you go, you're called to change the world. Hey, Chris, yeah, God? Now get out of the prayer closet and change the world. Yes, God. I'm just praying for mountains to be moved. You're praying for your mountain to move. Your mountain is you. If I'm destroying your ministry title, throw it out right now. Your ministry title is to be Ministers of Reconciliation. (sighs) Come on. I am on fire. This is normal. This is like tame compared to what's really going on inside there right now. It's like raw. I pray, Lord, just help me not combust. Help me, Lord, not just to like disappear like... I, I, I get on last testimony here, and then we're going we're gonna to end. I, I have no clue what's going to happen next service, so you might just want to stay. I got through the three points. Next service, it's just up for grabs. Like, um, <laughs> I get on the airplane coming here, and, and, and I, I oftentimes think, what is going to happen? Because I, I'm just going to be real with you that everywhere I go, I share. And I was telling my mom, I'm like, Mom, am I crazy? Like, I feel like I'm possessed with sharing my faith. But actually, I've spent so much time with him, and I've followed him like they followed him, that I'm actually becoming like him, and he came to seek and to save the lost. So I'm, I'm, I'm not like, this is, supposed, this, is gonna be, this is supposed to inspire you to spend time with him. But the more you spend time with him, the more it will make you like him. So I'm like just a mess, like everywhere I go, I'll tell everybody. I mean everybody. And I get on the airplane and I sit down and it was kind of awkward because there was a high school girl and then there was a, like a college age girl and I'm like, man, how am I going to do this without seeming like a creep? And So, I mean, that's all I think about is Jesus. Like anywhere I go, all I'm thinking is how can I share my faith? That's it. It's the only thing going through my head. That's why when my friends take me out to dinner, they'll go to the back of the restaurant and they'll face me towards the wall. That's why Ellie only thinks about Jesus. You want your kids to love Jesus? Why don't you try loving Jesus? You want your kids to love Jesus? Quit coming to church on Sunday and living the last six days of the week like hell. Try turning off your TV and picking up the word. You want to know why kids, like all these millennials, these people that are just crazy, they're crazy because we're crazy. We, we, we bring our kids to church hoping the youth pastor will change them. Why don't you change them? Why well, just hope that the pastor will get a word from me? Why don't you get a word from God? Why don't you sit at the table? Why don't you, why don't you interact with the King of Kings? Why don't, why don't you spend time with him? Like, I know this is like punch, punch, punch. Like, I just want to come with another one. Wake up. Some of you need to read 1 Peter and 2 Peter on repeat for the next year. In your time on this earth, live in fear. As you sojourn to the land that we're called to, your life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Live in the fear of the Lord, holy as he is holy. Holy. Stand with me, please. I'm sorry, I've I've been given two hours to preach at LCU every time I preach, so 30 minutes is like, I feel like I'm just getting started. Who would say today, I want to respond to the call? Okay? Who would say today, I want to sit at the table? And who today would say, I want to go to the nations? Okay. So Father, I pray. I pray, Lord. Lord that you would come with your power. Not not power to send people into into the nations, but power to bring people to the table tomorrow morning. God, that your power and your grace would come upon these amazing people, Lord, and empower them to go to the table tomorrow morning because if they're at the table, they'll then go to the nations. Because right after that, In Mark 16, he then says, now that that unbelief is taken care of because you're at the table, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what it sets up. So I'm on the airplane with these two girls and just start talking to them. I'm like, God, give me an in. And one girl says, what is it that you do? And and then it was the open door. and and, And she said that she was Catholic, but she had no relationship with Jesus. And I'm like, I know what I can do. I was like, hey can I teach you how I, how I share Jesus with people? She's like, yeah, that'd be great. So I know I'm leading her to the Lord while I'm teaching her. So I walk her through Jesus at the door, and I get to the prayer part, and I'm like, I pray for her, I'm like, do you feel anything? Yeah, I feel something. And she's a, she's a senior in high school, and, and I said, you have a bad knee, and it's your right one. And the girl in the seat next to us went, oh my gosh, what is this? And the girl goes, how'd you know that about me? Jesus. Right there, she had an encounter with the Lord. I said, I know I was teaching you about how to share Jesus with people, but I have a feeling that you need to have a relationship with him. She goes, yeah. Bows her head right there on the airplane and gives her life to Jesus. Come on. Oh, what's gonna happen at the airport today? So God bless these people in Jesus' name. Lord, let something that I said that was so scattered and so fiery, Lord, let it stick in their hearts. Anything that I said that came from my mouth from my flesh, Lord, let it drop to the ground in Jesus' name. Amen.